We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Tuesday morning. It's December 5th, and we're in this kind of in-season tournament pause time uh, where because the Wolves didn't make the in-season tournament knockout round, uh, their last game was on Saturday, and they don't play again until Wednesday. Their next opponent on Wednesday is the Spurs. They haven't played since Friday. The only games on Monday and Tuesday are these in-season tournament knockout games. So in this little uh, break of time, Jason and I are going to kind of discuss a few thing, themes that have come out the, the last few weeks, bigger picture from the Wolves. But first, um, so I don't forget, like I forgot yesterday, I, I want to remember that we have an extra set of tickets uh, to give away for this uh, Wolves-Spurs game on, on Wednesday, two lower level tickets there. It's an extra game, so extra set of tickets. Uh, we're giving those away to to Patreon subscribers throughout the season uh, to get those tickets. Just send us a message uh, on Patreon that lets us know that you are available to go to that game. That's patreon.com slash MBA. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash MBA. All right, Jason, how you doing? Good, man. About you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I kind of like this little break of time here because i didn't even know that the that like there wasn't going to be other nba games during the in-season tournament knockout games or whatever it is you know yeah they made like pretty clear on the schedule when i was like i don't know what day these games are played and chris hein was (laughs) like ah it shows right here like when they first put the nba schedule out like the dates are pretty clearly listed as to when those games will be played when the other ones and i was like oh yeah yeah, I just still look. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, uh, but you know what's interesting is like, yeah, this one is like an explained one of like the gap uh, of mm-hmm. like, okay, there's these the knockout games are right now, and everybody else waits and they play theirs. True. I I think this year there's like there's more gaps like this. Like the Wolves even have a few like three days off gaps, and other teams mm-hmm. have that too. There are plenty of times where I'll be like, okay, when does this team play next? They just played last night, and it's like, oh, yeah. they played Saturday, now they play Wednesday. Um, I've noticed that too. I don't know how we can't get rid of back-to-backs when we've got, or at least very much limited yeah. back-to-backs when we've got these huge gaps uh, throughout well, the, the season. The, but. the Spurs played on Thursday and Friday, and then they don't play again until Wednesday. You know, like yeah, and at least this one's explained. But like, yeah, it's it's I, kind of insane, and it does just feel 
like back to backs are sinking things more and more. I, I, I just the Wolves being better, and I'm like, I want to see them play good teams at full strength just to learn more. And it just keeps, I don't know, feeling like that. It definitely is like, and I've seen this from other teams too, where like I'm really starting to look at it like, okay, not only are guys not playing, but the quality of play is just worse. Um, you know, like I mean, we saw everybody saw the Wolves go play in Phoenix. Like, wouldn't you have yeah. liked to have seen them play Phoenix? Not right. like dead tired looking like they look tired the whole game and i know mm -hmm. it's like camping i know but you don't play through it but um but yeah but it matters it, it matters does. like yeah. we sh those should be so they are far too frequent um and the and road, the road haven't ones. had them yet but yeah the road road ones are insane you know like make them home home if you have to do it uh yeah. otherwise it's it's insane i think like to the whole point of the in-season tournament thing right it's like to make the games more competitive and more interesting well that is the primary thing that is making your games less interesting right now are the back-to-backs because players are resting uh, on the second half of those, or just even if they're playing, they're 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 playing worse. So I don't know. That's neither here nor there. Let's. Uh, you wrote for this morning or yesterday after practice, just kind of about the the clutch time offense of this team. Obviously, that was a a key theme out of the Charlotte um, win. I don't think I really realized it uh, in the moment until I kind of went back and watched it after we talked to Mike Conley at practice yesterday of like how meticulous um, the clutch time offense was in that Charlotte game. And that's kind of been something that's happened over and over. I think I was, they had the two bigs out of the floor, right? Like the mm -hmm. first half of the the fourth quarter. And then uh, they, they sub Nas out, bring Kyle Anderson in. And that's when it was like Mike Conley, high pick and roll just orchestrating right. over and over and over again so i don't know maybe i had three bigs in my brain and was was thinking about that not as focused on it but going back and watching it man mike completely took over that game uh just from a point guarding standpoint and that has really been a theme that you laid out uh throughout the season and then this team has just gotten so much more effective uh in clutch time than they have been for the for the last few seasons what what stood out to you uh, most about the clutch time offense i know you had some of the numbers and stuff in there yeah i mean i think the biggest thing is just looking back and remembering how bad it's been um in the previous years like it, i only went back as far back as like 2020 2021 anthony edwards first season so basically like the wolves clutch time offense since it's been here and it's consistently like it ranks like 25th 21st 19th or whatever um and when you watch it it's awful it's been awful it mm -hmm. literally is just it turns into the most hero ball offense right. you've ever seen and that was anthony edwards that was d'angelo russell and then when carl anthony towns got the ball it was like i'm doing this too because i never get the ball <laughs> yeah. um and, and it was just like rush shot force long jumpers like just guys kind of playing out of control and then that leads to bad shots which lead to easier buckets the other way like their defense has actually been pretty good in the clutch time like or at least not terrible in recent years uh but the the offense is awful and if you remember like that is literally why they lost the memphis series uh, yeah two years ago is like they would have they'd have these fourth quarter leads they would just go straight into isolation a uh, hero ball and then they would just it would just totally implode on them it would blow mm -hmm. it all over their faces um and that's that's been like a major issue and chris finch is like look we realized we had to that had to get better this off season and he said yep you know ants done a better job making decisions and i would agree with that too but like the biggest thing has totally been that you have a point guard who's consistently running sets um and i think what's surprising to me is like is running his own sets like not yeah. that not that he's making them up on the fly but like 
Mike Conley, we talked to him yesterday and, and it's like, what's your communication like with Chris Finch? Um, and he's like, it's pretty good. You know, sometimes I lean on him and then there are other times where he looks at me and he's like, what, what do you got? got? <laughs> and, and Conley's like, and that was kind of what happened against Charlotte, you yeah. know, where it's literally like this guy is just can totally navigating, controlling the offense even more. So now with Anthony Edwards out um, and it's just mm-hmm. like, Mike, you just run it. You get us a shot. Should be great. Um, and it is like, you just see how having such a smart, good basketball player directing traffic like how it looked like the wolves just looked like in the final four or five minutes of that game against charlotte like they knew exactly what they were doing they were in control they were going to get a great look um and it's so much easier to execute when there's just kind of like a calm and a strategy uh, to everything and, and guys know where they're supposed to go and where they might get the ball um a comfort where it's kind of felt like hectic stall ball like uh, I don't know. I'm going to take on these two guys in the past and just hope this 22 footer goes down, um, even though it's heavily contested. Like, it's just, it's totally like watching things that would just make you rip your hair out before. And now you watch and it's like, yes. And it's simple too. Like, it, like Mike said, it's just three different variations of the same set over and over again. Right. Because yeah. He's just seeing the ways that in which the defense approaches it and he's playing off of it and just kind of, you know, you make Charlotte pick their poison and you react accordingly. Like, it's it's been very good and it's like this is what good teams are supposed to look like in clutch time and it totally is kind of like a mike conley directed show here's conley after practice on the late game offense just repping those you know those certain plays that we've done a million times and trusting each other in those moments and um, i was i was happy with the way we finished the last game uh, ran a couple plays back to back to back that we got kind of got three different reads off of them and um and, and won that game so i think guys are getting you know, more accustomed to it and trusting each other during those times. It's a, oh, it's a different for you here too. Just that they know you better and you understanding them in space. Yeah, um, it's helped me a ton, probably even more than them, to be able to you know have a, a rapport with them, some chemistry to where um, I feel confident enough to say, hey, no, nah, like, cat, go over there. Rudy, you go over here. Like, put guys in, in different different spots on the floor because I know what's going to work at that time of the game. So, um, and they trust me. They respect you know everything and everything I say, and they know I you know I have nothing but good intentions. So, um, I do my best to just try to put us in the best best position to win. It was interesting, Jace, going back and watching it and literally seeing the play where he said, "Nah, Cac, you go over here. Yes. Rudy, Rudy, you go down there." Like that play, like kind of won that game. Or, mm-hmm. or sealed it there too and um it, it's such totally did clear cat out of the play like you know and it's as a spacing <laughs> well, it was just it's congested like, yeah. yeah so yeah it's like here's what we're gonna do right now that's gonna mm-hmm. win this game like it the the interesting question off of this all right is like all right no anthony edwards in that game who has been your home run hitter game winner like the guy you often play through in in those clutch time situations or they have historically over the last few years like you said when the offense always hasn't been uh, as good. And I, the the question I think we all have is like, can Ant be that guy where, while Mike is still like the brains of the operation and still kind of dictating and mapping out the floor in, you know, in the way that he did against Charlotte, but while maybe the end goal is Ant. And I, I, I do think it, it is a different proposition when, you know, Mike is creating against Charlotte He's trying to look for a rolling Rudy Gobert or a popping Carl Anthony Towns or like a, a rolling driving lane for for Cat to hit there. It is it is different with Ant, who when you want to set him up is basically setting him up somewhere in the high 
quad of of the floor in that sort of way. How how much can Mike do that and empower Ant at the same time? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I I mean, it's, I, I think like the perfect balance is probably Mike's running a play that ends up in Ant's hands with Ant coming off a screen or something to that effect because, but I mean, I don't know. You watch like Mike Conley pick and rolls at the end of games, like where, you know, it's going to be a good shot and maybe the ball just gets to Ant for like a corner three or something. And like, you're still taking the big shot. But if you are going to over and over again, over the course of the season, bet on like good late game offense to get you a good shot. What are you going with? Which one are you thinking is going to against good defenses or whatever, like end up with the good shots? Like, well, I, I think know that's it, the question it, is it good defense is not like it was Charlotte. Like it was also Charlotte. Yeah, I would say and, and, and Oklahoma City is not great defensively either, but they were lights out in the clutch time in that game as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and then I'm just thinking off the top of my head like, now about the Golden State game. And that was Ant who found Mike there. And that was yeah, that was yeah, yeah, doing the yeah. point guardy stuff too. So I'm, we're not, yes, I'm yeah. not ruling it I, out or anything. I, I'm like. not either. And I think Ant's on his way there. And Ant's decision-making gets better and better every year. It's not like Mike Conley's decision-making. Like yeah. there still are plenty of games where if Ant closes the game out, it's because he hit some tough shots. Um, you know, where like you're like, uh, not mm-hmm. great, but we got, you know, don't worry about the work we did on this math problem. Look, we got the right answer. Um, You know, like it's, that's, it's a tough balance of like, when do you feel the need to empower? When are you like, no, this team is like really good right now. We got to win as many games as possible. We think this is the best part of the equation. I think it's good in general for Minnesota that it has multiple routes um, to navigating clutch time offense. And maybe you can look at it from like a matchup to matchup basis. Like these guys don't have anybody who can check ant if he's aggressive getting to the rim. Sure. Yeah. Uh we will we can clear it out and let him go to work here and be confident we're going to get a good shot. Um where otherwise it might be like, all right, um maybe Ant struggled, maybe they have a better matchup for Ant. Like maybe we've just seen the way they're committing guys to Ant. Maybe we let Mike Conley do some of this. So that's where I think it can be a little more pick and choosy. Um but I think these few games just give you a reminder of like Mike Conley is a tremendous late game yeah. navigator of offense like like i looked at this before he was traded last year utah had the fifth best clutch time offensive rating and like who was on that team you know like i mean they had, they had some decent pieces but like that's that shows like he can kind of navigate it over long courses of time in the last 10 years that he's played the majority of the games they've had he has kind of like engineered top seven clutch time offenses 50 percent of the time like he does this a lot he knows how to do it um you know, like, like other teams kind of lose their minds, like a Boston, like they lose their mind in the end of like five minutes to go. And it just turns into straight isolation. Like my colleagues teams continue to play simple, good offense. Um, like it's with the ant thing. Like, I think it really can be, that's probably is your best solution is like, sometimes it's Mike running it. And other times when you really like the matchup, it's ant running it. Uh, but I think that comes on Chris Finch's shoulders a little bit say. to say, to determine when, um, you know, because Ant's always going to want it and Mike's always going to think he should have it. Um, mm-hmm. he, he certainly, I think, would see to Ant if that's the call, but he thinks he should have it and Ant's going to want it. So then it's going to be up to Finch to be like, we're going to go here. I mean, maybe if there's a really bad one from Ant or something and he jacks one up, it's like, okay, the next possession you go to Mike. Um, something to that effect. Yeah, like Finch like, has to be like a thermometer, an Ant thermometer. Yeah, right. You know, right. because, so let's say the Boston game, when Ant takes over in the clutch, I think if you just try and run the same offense with Mike Conley pick and roll like you did against Charlotte. I think you lose that game. I mean, it's well, a better, they're, they're, better defensive team. Their late game like, offense and regulation against Boston was terrible. They scored like two points yeah. the last five minutes of the game. Okay. In overtime, he made some tough shots. Yeah. They almost didn't get to overtime because they were awful in the last You're right. I forgot about the, that fourth quarter there. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, the, the ideal thing, right, is, is having somebody – can Mike pick at it 
like the whole time, like he sees something like he did in the Charlotte game. And over because five minutes, like it's five minutes of clutch time. There's five minutes at the end of that Charlotte game. And what what I thought was great about Mike, it, it wasn't just like one action, it was him and him and Rudy yeah. like over yeah. and over. It was like, all right, cat here. We we found Kyle here who found Troy Brown for a three, or you know, like some of these different things. I think I, I'm with you. I think some of it is Finch, but I think some of it is if the ball is put in Mike's hands, he also needs to be like, all right, we're gonna be running like 12 clutch time offensive possessions here. I need to be in my and I trust Mike's ability to be able to do this. He's but like Ant's been yeah. yeah. Ant's been chilling in the corner for two possessions. We yep. know what Ant gets like he's got to think about that. Like, all right, interchange, like let's let's make something happen here. So Ant stays engaged so we can go back to that next look. Like playing yeah. kind of two three yeah, two three clutch possessions. And he ahead. talks about that all the time of like in his head he's got sequences in his mind of like mm-hmm. we're going to do A, B, and then C. Like I know what we're going to do these next three possessions down the court in the half court, and they're all kind of are playing off each other. And I have full confidence if Mike Conley's running the offense over the course of five minutes, he's going to know like this possession we're going to get it to Ant and we're going to get it to him with at least like fourteen seconds on the shot clock. So like mm-hmm. he can do something if it's right there right away. It's going to be in his hands. Ant can make the decision off of this. We're just going to get on the ball off some kind of action that puts him in a position that's maybe advantageous the second he catches the ball like he's talked a lot about like point guarding Mm -hmm. mike has and like and these are all things that like he discusses it's not like it's like we'll put it in mike's hands mike will run pick and roll and that's all we're gonna do um it's like we'll put it in mike's hands and mike kind of decides what we're gonna do and that might not include mike at all take a quick break here jace uh today's show is brought to you by prize picks and uh, oftentimes when we do prize pick segments it's like before a sunday football slate or thursday night football slate or whatever i just wanted to uh show everyone kind of what the what the slate looks like just tonight for the in-season tournament game we got the knicks and bucks play against each other and then it's the lakers and suns tonight and i was just clicking on this and i clicked the former Timberwolves that are playing tonight, Malik Beasley, 12 and a half points, more or less. D'Angelo Russell, 14 and a half points, more or less. Torian Prince, seven and a half points, more or less. But I just wanted to show everyone there's a, a whole bunch of, it's not just points, rebounds, and assists. It's uh, three points, three pointers attempted. Is Jalen Brunson going to take seven or more of those? Three pointers made, uh, free throws uh, attempted, all, all these different sorts of things. And so I think maybe in particular uh, for the, the nights where it's like just national TV games, you know, whether it's the in-season tournament uh, or TNT, I think these are kind of fun. If you know, you're going to be watching uh, the the national television games that night to, you know, to put a little prize picks packet together here. And, you know, let's just those three, if you get three, right, that's five to one on your money, 10 to one on your money. If you do, uh, if you do four, uh, we, we love prize picks. It's fun to play uh, whether it's uh, NFL Sunday for, for football or or just for uh, NBA, MLB, whatever. There's a there's a million different sports out there. So prizepicks.com, prize picks app, promo code Dane for a one hundred dollar sign up bonus if you are interested uh in playing along with us. My one tip that I have some friends who play this a lot and their formula is anybody the Bucks are playing, their guards. <laughs> the opponent's guards, more points. All right, so deal <laughs> if it, <laughs> No, the box. It'd be it'd be like Jalen Brunson tonight. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah it, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard <laughs> are turnstiles. Uh, so like, it literally, and and I think it's done pretty well. Uh, from all the texts I get, I like oh, that. Hit I again, like... hit again, hit again. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Jalen Brunson more than maybe tonight would be a good one. I did think 
that I, I really like the Malik Beasley signing by the Bucks in the offseason. I, I, I mean, you and I share mind on this. Like, we think he's an incredible shooter. We also talked about, though, the entirety of the time when he was here, how problematic uh, his, his defense was. And I guess I just didn't expect the Bucks to have that many overall defensive issues that he would get exposed as much. But well, I haven't watched signs, a ton of them. But he yeah. signs a small deal, and it's like, and you are a prominent player in the rotation. Like, you were, you're like yeah. playing 30 a night. It's like, mm-hmm. all right. It's another they're example. Like, oh, this like, is a better West Matthews. And then they're like, oh, wait, there's two no, sides to the not. floor. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I mean, we talk about this all the time, but it's like these are the decisions that two or three years from now, it may be sooner next year, but really like two or three years yeah. from now, Minnesota is going to be living in like which very imperfect player are we going to play 30 minutes um, yeah. alongside what our are, other good players? What imperfection can you handle the mask? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. A, actually really like and, and that's you know, there's we say two-way player all the time, you know, or we want guys to be able to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And the NBA is tough. Like mm, right, it's, it's right, tough right. to be able to do multiple letters uh, of the alphabet. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, Rudy's uh, rim protection uh, a little bit, but I, I also want to talk about uh, a little bit more just about point guard play in general. And I wanted to hit I want to touch on this too. On, on the, the Spurs thing. No, no, no. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, but but so like so you okay, were talking about like the sequencing. So I just thought I'd pull up like I yeah, did a Conley's yeah. corner on being a true point guard a while ago, mm-hmm. uh, and this kind of leans into the Spurs thing. But uh, Mike, after the Boston game, when he did like nothing, uh, he was like three for eight, and he's like, "That was one of my most impactful games." And I was like, "Yeah, how so?" Um, and Mike, then he's like, he said there were times where Boston would make a little mini run, and then Mike would come down the court and in his head dial up a sequence of like three straight plays like i mentioned um mm-hmm. that they could go to that would play off one another and and like lead to good stretches of offense and then his quote was like and we executed every single one of them got the ball to exactly who we wanted to go to the matchup we wanted and we executed and it's like man that's how the play worked that's how it's supposed to be it wasn't just let's see if we can win these next three minutes it's like this is how we're going to win the next three minutes this is how we're going to win this next minute that kind of stuff really gets me excited about my position and my role and that's like late game too it might be ant he might in his head be like ant right here um ant these next two times down you know getting these two different looks like it's just when you start with him and you're letting him make the call and not just giving it to ant and having ant trouble up the court and maybe like running a pick and roll that kind of fizzles out and then it turns into isolation like and then you're like okay hopefully makes this 22 footer um it's it's more like a plan of attack and when you have a plan like you're much more likely to succeed. And like I said, it very well can end up in Ant's hands. And Ant looks like the hero at the end of the play. And that's what you want. That's option A. Um, but just the way to get there, I think, makes a big difference. You know what it's reminded me a lot of, man? Chris Paul and Devin Booker in sure. 2021. Yeah, yeah, yep. And, I mean, Chris Paul was, like, legit in the MVP conversation that year. I was looking it up this morning. Um and that season, Chris Paul turned 36 at the end of the season. Mike turned 36 at the beginning of this season. Um, I, I, I mean, I've just personally always kind of enjoyed Chris Paul. I know that's not necessarily like a, a popular opinion, but I, I agree. Just, with you. I mean, yeah, yeah. Hey, you can not like the antics. That's fine. But like the actual basketball player has been yeah. inc- a, a joy to watch for his entire career. I, I just... I have watched uh, a lot of them. I watched a lot of that Thunder team that one year. I was really like. You're that, an original that, Dort fan. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> OG Dort. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that, that Phoenix team too. Cause I, again, I had watched that Thunder team so much and I was like, Chris Paul just 
can like get you with nothing to like high 40 wins at that again, like at that time. And it was for, it was for all these reasons we're talking about with Mike Conley. It's like so many of, I was reading that your, your Conley corner piece. And it's just like, if it was like comma Paul said rather than yeah, yeah. Not Conley said, yep. and like, maybe it was like, Mike is like, I don't know. Maybe the wording would be a little bit different, but different, but the, the things that Mike Conley is telling you, just sound like Chris Paul quotes mm-hmm. in a way. And do you remember there was like that uh, I'm addicted to it uh, quote about uh, Chris Paul making the, making the finals. Yes. Do you remember yeah. that that came out and that in your piece, Kyler was like, I'm addicted to that feeling of success and an accomplishment of something I just did. It keeps yep. me going. I was like, yeah. and, and why are they that different? Why are they I don't know. Different? I don't know. I mean, Mike, at the beginning of the year, when I talked to him specifically about winning a championship, he's like, I'll just sit there and be walking around my house and I'll just start stretching because I want to like win a championship that bad, you know, like, and so thinking of all the little things like, what do I have to do to best prepare myself yeah. to get through the whole season to be there at the end? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Like maybe a bunch of guys will get there by the end of their career. You know, like maybe, maybe that is how Devin Booker will be. And Anthony Edwards, maybe at 36 will be that player. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what Mike Conley was like at 22, you know, like, I don't know. No, man. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's the evolution of the true point guard. When the true point guard plays in the NBA for 17, 18 years, like you are just, storing things and knowing things i think in a way that so many other players don't i'm not saying devin booker I, and I can't agree. be like a really smart player i just meant there's, in terms there's of like those. commitment yeah. to winning like the, yeah. the hunger to win like that mm-hmm. those guys have and i don't know if it's because neither has ever won a championship or whatever but uh, surely a factor yeah 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 but that to me stands up but like the actually i totally agree with you on the point guard thing like mm-hmm. they they've since they were seven they were taught to like yeah run an offense try to get this guy the ball take care of the ball like mm-hmm. the defense is doing this so here's what we want to do you know like that's that's information that they start storing you know mm-hmm. when they're playing in middle school basketball and then so mike was have, talking about that yesterday yeah 25 years you know of like <laughs> what do you do when the team goes into zone like you do we try to get somebody here and here you know like mm-hmm. and schemes change and whatnot but you know the general principles and you continue to build upon that uh yeah, yeah it, it's they there are not many of those left there are mm-hmm. almost none well, it's and and this goes to the San Antonio thing uh, right. we were referencing of like there are more and more teams nowadays playing minutes without a point guard on the floor. Obviously, the Wolves do that when Mike Conley's off, right? You know, Jordan McLaughlin's been hurt, but they cobble it together with non-true point guards like Kyle Anderson, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Ant, uh, whatever. And it's it's interesting. San Antonio is is doing that with Jeremy Sohan. Like they're, they're starting Jeremy Sohan and having him play point guard. And, and I remember like being really intrigued by that concept, like five years ago with Ben Simmons. Like I was, again, this is like when Ben Simmons was like on the rise, on the rise, looking to be one of the best players. And I'm like, that's kind of smart. Like there, there's part of me where I'm like, that that's kind of smart. It, it, it eliminates the issue in many ways of not being a shooter. You know, if the ball's, in your hand and you're a threat to attack teams can't play off of you. Right. Whereas if Ben Simmons is off ball in the corner, if Jeremy Sohan's off ball in the corner, now you, now you've got the defense loaded up on wherever else uh, the ball is. So like part of me thought, I guess that it, it was a smart, like evolution of the game, but you and I, like we text about this a lot, actually with like Utah or we did last year when we were watching them or have 
uh, this year, like, yeah, you know, they just don't have a true point guard out there and they're not getting into X, Y, and Z. Or, I mean, like the Spurs are going to have a bad drought in the game on Wednesday against the Wolves because Jeremy Sohan, you know, is going to have a couple turnovers because he's not a polished point guard at, at all yet. And, and the Wolves, the offense bogs down a lot of the time when, when Anthony Edwards isn't out there. Yeah, so right. I get the logic of the move in that, like in a spacing league, it's so important to like not find ways to unscrew yourself with, uh, with spacing, but there's still, there's just still room, man, for the elite point guard in, in the NBA or the, the elite thinker point guard in the NBA to just, again, do what Mike Conley did at the end of that Charlotte game, or we've seen Chris Paul do for years or whatever, even just like your average Monte Morris or something like that. There's, there's, there's value in that. So I, it's just, it's something I wanted to talk to you about because we talk about this like privately uh, a lot. And I just think we're on this, this like curious place right now where it seems like the point guard's dying but it still seems so valuable it seems valuable but who's stepping into that role who are the guys yeah younger players like how many how many of them are out there i think the i think the closest we're going to get now is like a tyrese halliburton and i do think that's part of the reason why you know with his skill set and whatnot and Mm -hmm. his ability to see the court and make decisions like he's certainly like the on ball version he's the ball dominant version of it but like, I think that's why he's a true separator right now is that there aren't many players out there like him. Um, yeah. And and I have I know, like, just even, like, the side, when I talk about point guards, like, I'd bring up his name and Mike Collins, like, I really like Albert. And, uh, because there's just not many point guards. Like, like he is he is as much looking to get off of it as he is to score it. Like, um, sure. and so, but there, the number of guys like that, the number of, like, point guards out there, so small. And we see, like, point guards aren't really getting drafted high either you know like they're just like they're not valued um Mm -hmm. even though i i used to be like i used to think it was so intriguing i originally loved the idea of boston like going as defensive as they did with like marcus smart who's not yeah that's a good example um but but watching them collapse playoff playoff. series after playoff series with their fourth quarter offense um just freeze i mean just go like six minutes without scoring in huge games because they Mm -hmm. just don't have any like offensive direction because it just turns into like your turn my turn with jason tatum and jalen brown going against either that i'm going in stack defenses or like i remember they almost lost that game seven to miami where they almost blew a massive lead and it was because i think in the last four minutes marcus smart took like five yeah <laughs> and it's because and it's like there's nobody it was the opposite of the mike codley game against charlotte like yeah. literally yeah. yeah it's just like it ends it just doesn't end up in the right spot you know like and and mm-hmm. because when it is in the right spot those guys are going in stack defenses because there's no movement um so it uh, watching that enough makes me just be like i i think it's almost a must to have like a real point guard unless you are just that much more mm-hmm. dominant um than everybody else yeah i thought it was like it can work without it, but it's a luxury uh, if you have it. That's kind of I, I asked Finch about this yesterday. Yeah. That's kind of what he said. I'll play that clip. San Antonio doesn't play a traditional point guard. Yeah, there's a couple teams around the league. I mean, you guys kind of off the bench are doing that. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious um, what you think like the advantages of that can be, and yeah. kind of that popping up more and more around the league. Yeah, I think one is it, it helps your pace, you know, because anyone can bring it. Um, you know, I know it, it forces tough matchup problems sometimes in transition, as you know, when you're doing that. Uh, so it has like an added benefit there. Um, I think it's kind of just speaks to the growing fluidity of the game in general. Um, there's less set play call anyway. 
Um, so it's not like somebody's got to get you organized and, and kind of call a lot of sets. So it's kind of it's like where the game's you know evolved to. But of course, if you have a true and classic point guard, you know they still stand out. You know, they still have great value. Maybe more so at the end of games than any other. Yeah, game. absolutely. I think that's probably 100% right because at that point in time, it's a lot of either pick and roll where you need a guard who can create and make shots, or you know try to get organized in your sets. I wanted to leave that that parted where you kind of followed up there with the more at the end of the games because I think that's yeah and it was noted it was a hundred percent right yeah <laughs> <laughs> well he, he says he says in his answer when he's like justifying the no no point guard thing uh, yeah. for them or for San Antonio or forever he's like well the game is more grab and go and there's fewer set play calls well immediately when he was saying that in the moment I'm like yeah in the first forty minutes of the game. You know, but it is what happens in the playoffs or at the end or the end of regular season games. It isn't grab and go anymore, right? It is. Even if your Jeremy Sohan does grab it, he's probably like, okay, we need to act like, yeah, yeah. Is Trey what Jones in the game? Like, can we, can we find him? Or, right, right. Um, or even with the Wolves, too. Like, that's not when Cat's going to grab one and go. He's going to be like, there's four minutes left in the game. Where's Mike Conley? You know, specifically, Troy Brown said, yesterday yep. like they're really valuing possessions at the end of games like and that's that's just it like that doesn't mean you're running down and making like a transition turnover because that's just crippling you know mm -hmm. it's like we need to score on this possession it, it's like i think the game has devolved by the way when finch says it's evolved to where the guys are grabbing it and just going and there's less play calls and stuff like i think it's devolved but well well i think that the the thing is is maybe it's like over corrected like yeah. th there is value in that right yeah, like yeah. it yeah. is it is uh, like if you guys can grab I mean, this, this hurts the Wolves a lot of the time against teams, and it probably will at times against San Antonio. The mm -hmm. Wolves struggle with cross matches, right? right. Like that's just because their teams guard them weird and they guard teams weird, right? And so it's like, shit, I'm in the corner and now I got to go guard the opposite wing who's running the like they get messed up by that all the time. And the faster then the opposing team can get into the other side of the floor, the more cross match, the more delayed it is. Like, there's value. And I think but, I bet you a bunch of the transition teams, the best transition teams do uh, a lot of that. Yeah. But isn't it funny? Like, it's like you can still grab and go if you have a point card out there. It's not like the point card is going to be like, you you didn't pass me the ball, dude. You just went. Well, there, there's a little bit of a delay. I, I get what you're saying, but it, it, it would need to be like the bam, the freedom. pass like right away. Yeah. The yeah. freedom. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I also think like <clears throat> that's when like Jordan McLaughlin's been out there. Like they, I've thought in the past they've done a good job of not just deferring to McLaughlin and somebody else will grab the rebound and sure. he just goes up the court. Mm -hmm. Like, so a lot of times it's like that can be coached, you know, like sure. if you get it, you just go like, don't worry about it. Like I understand your thought of like, well, no, we always give it to the point guard that can be coached mm -hmm. out of you very quickly. I would think. Right. Um, no, no, that, that is, that is true. And then I guess that's all like part of the balance here. I think my main takeaway is whatever the value of that balance is really goes away. In the yes, last five minutes yeah. of games. And in playoff basketball, I think, as yeah. well. Um, but the the thing is that I think that's hard um, is everybody would love to have a Mike Conley. But I think the important thing about having like a Mike Conley is that you have him on the court making those great decisions and you're not losing shooting and you're not really losing that much defensively. Like he's still a very adept defender as well. Um, so like, yeah, if you can get this great, super well-rounded point guard who can manage the game, that's option a for anybody mm -hmm. it's just there aren't that many players out there like that it's like well why don't you just have a true point guard it's like because we're losing shooting or 
we're losing defense. It's like, well, there are only so many guys like Conley, which is why I think like a value of like a Conley is sky high because you have him out there. So you're, you mm-hmm. just are 10 times smarter basketball team and you're not losing like hardly anything else. Like you are totally fine. If somebody's just attacking Mike Conley defensively, because you feel like it's a less than one point per possession proposition. Yeah. It, we shouldn't stop developing that type of player. Yeah. Like, I, if Mike I agree. Conley works today at 36, we, you know, the, some 16 year old right now shouldn't feel like they can't, Try yeah. and grow and emulate in that game, but instead it is. I don't know. I feel like now we're being like old guys or whatever. Like, I agree, I but even I mean, like when I talked to Mike about this uh, for that story a couple of weeks ago, he was like, "It's." I he really thought it kind of came down to like guys see what makes money, and like yeah. scoring points makes money. Um, so like as like a point guard, you're just much you're much more interested to try to be like. And Dame sees the whole floor, but like you see like mm-hmm. a Damian Lillard, and you're like, I want to do that. You know, I want to score yeah. 30, uh, get buckets. And- but there's so many more, there's so many fewer players who could be a point guard and shoot the way that Dame can. It's right. like Damian Lillard would still be good if he wasn't as good at step back threes, you know, right? right? Like, yep. And I yep. think there's more people out there who can do that, right? Yep. Yep. We're not prioritizing uh, that as much. All right, let's grab another break here. Um, And then I'm going to come back and talk about some Rudy Rim defense. The Dane Moore NBA podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And this time of year, we spend a lot of time focused on giving gifts to others. I know I got a list of family members. I'm trying to check the boxes for each of them, give them a meaningful gift. But I think this time of year, it's easy to forget about giving gifts to ourselves. The holidays should be a time to take care of yourself. So whether it's by starting therapy or just going easier on yourself during the tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest. Remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. Trying therapy can be one of those ways. It can help you set boundaries and learn positive coping skills. It really can empower you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Moore, all one word, to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back with Jace Frederick. Uh, Jace, 
this has just been, I mean, it's been a theme of the, the entirety of the season. Uh, obviously, Rudy's activity defensively and, um, and just what he's making happen uh, defensively for this group. Guys just not taking shots at the rim. That is becoming, to me, maybe I'm just catching it more and more as time goes on. I'm looking for it more and more. But the the, the frequency with which guys just like record scratch, but from like three or four feet away from the basket is so high um, in, in the Wolves defense right now, or the Wolves defense is, is creating it. They're allowing the second fewest uh, shots at the rim in, in the NBA. And that is leading them to have one of, or have the best half court defense in the NBA. And overall, even while getting hurt a little bit in transition, still just being the number one overall defense in the NBA, I really do think it starts with the infrequency with which teams are willing to take shots at the rim. What's standing out to you about that? Yeah. And like you said, the record scratch, I think that's a good way to put it. It's like, it's not even just like you get in there and you make like a clean kick out. Mm-hmm. It's like, they are so unsure of what to do with themselves. Like they get yeah. in there and like, you could be going with a pretty full head of steam. And then you're like, you're like on one foot. It's like, yeah. Stopped <laughs> yeah like you, yeah. you like, and you're just like mid jump and you're like, that's Rudy Gobert. And so you either see them like turn their body and like throw one up behind them because they're confident that won't get blocked. And then it might not even like touch the rim off the backboard or like you've seen guys like almost like shoot and try to like stop and pass like to themselves. And the ball just goes to nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not just like, this is a missed shot. It's often like a terrible shot uh, that leads to like an easy rebound outlet or like a turnover that leads to points the other way too. Like I do think that sparked some definite huge like runs for Minnesota because it's so easy to then get in transition. Misses at the rim lead to so many transition opportunities because literally the shooter um, Mm -hmm. is out of the play getting back defensively. Uh, It's, it's just like if you can make these super incredibly talented basketball players so indecisive, uh, they automatically become 10 times worse uh, mm-hmm. at whatever they're doing. Um, and Rudy Gobert, just like his mere presence, like just totally. Dude, it's it's when he's players. not ready, even like there, there's sometimes where guys are stopping short, record scratching, whatever. Yeah, where he's not it. sitting there. He's not ready. Right. He's, right, he's really right. not going to block the shot if you right. take it. But it's like. You know, they got to read this in like a quarter of a second. Like, all right, I'm going to my left. Like, am I going up here or not? And it's like, well, on my left is Rudy Gobert there, you know? And then they just stop. And it's like sometimes if you were just, to your point, decisively just go left, right and go take it. Yeah. He's not going to get all of them. We see guys who do that. And it's like, oh, you scored there because you played with some courage you know like yeah, and, and yes rudy's gonna deter you but like i think guys like they just don't want to get embarrassed you know like they don't want to get stopped you know and all these types of things because that that does take you down a notch so it's almost like i'd rather not put myself out there you know like it, yeah it's it, it, I, I like the courage term it's like yeah and there, there are times you know, it's always like you know once it came like somebody finishes and scores well yeah yeah like there's it almost shocks you a little bit when it happens and then what what is the theme of every one of those it's like head of seam decisively went to the basket finished up and around him you know and that's the whole point delay yeah and that's the whole point of the defense now and like what finch talks about is like Mm -hmm. how do we and often guys times guys even with the head of steam don't do it Uh, but how often how few times can we allow somebody to even go at you know a straight line drive with rudy Um, because if they Mm -hmm. don't have that then they have no chance and that's true um I love the it was like the it was a Warriors game a while back, but like watching Dario Sarge get the ball and like it was kind of late in the shot clock because he'd already passed it, and got it back. Yeah, he did like a he did like a no jump push up because he he figured he hey caught a moment where Rudy wasn't gonna jump. 
So he was like, oh, this won't get blocked. And he just like, it didn't go in. It was like, this is the most unnatural shooting motion. This looks like a four-year-old who is just trying to get it to the rim. Yeah, uh, we've all been there. We've all been he, underneath the basket and somebody who's like five inches taller than you. Yeah, and you're just like, you're like, I don't know. I'll, I'll take my left hand and just fling one up towards the backboard because I don't, I'm just trying not to get it blocked. And that's how it looks. And it's like, but it's you crazy. Are, it's Dario Saric who's yes, six ten. You, Nick Richards yes, had a you're, terrible you're, one of those against yes, uh, late in the, the Charlotte game. game. You're, like, you're relegating NBA players to like what you and I would look like against somebody who's way better than us in pickup <laughs> basketball, you know, like you, it literally makes them look so bad and so dumb. He's um, killing their courage. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's it's he, their confidence is just shaken. Like you can tell they yeah. just like, they're like, I don't so many times you see it. Like, I don't want the ball. Like, Ooh. don't give me the ball in a position where I'm going to score, which is exactly how I played basketball growing up. Like, I don't want it. <laughs> I just got to pass it back. I suck. Uh, that's how they look like they feel, uh, when, when Rudy's guarding them and, or guys driving at him, they're like, crap, like uh, there he is, you know, like it's, 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 it's really impactful and like fun and funny to watch, frankly, on a day-to-day basis. It is. I, I'm like, like, I'm curious now in my mind of like, what is putting teams in that situation? I don't totally like have that figured out, but it, it's this like somewhat idea of giving enough resistance on the perimeter so that once they get to Rudy, they don't have that full head of speed and decisiveness to, to go finish. Like, or at least Rudy's in position by that point. Yeah. Off guard, like, Oh wow. You beat him so fast that I'm not Mm -hmm. even over there. Exactly. And, and I think like Rudy deserves like, I don't know, 80% of the the credit for the wolves allowing as few shots at, at the rim as they do. But it is something that he needs some assistance with and, and, and help with too. And I, I do think, and I'm going to play this clip from Conley here. I think, do think the length and, and some of those things do too. It, it just seems like those things are sewing well together. Like whatever the other four players are doing are sewing well into bringing the man to Rudy, who is then kind of thwarting it at the rim. Here's, here's Conley uh, on the rim projection. Obviously, Rudy is such a big part of that. That's probably somewhat intuitive to us. But what are the other four guys doing to help prevent shots being taken? Um, man, well, you said it. Rudy's been a great uh, rim protector, but I think all four guys have done a good job of just staying connected to bodies, being in help situations. Even when Rudy's there, we're swarming the ball, and uh, we're a long team. You know, you, you add Rudy, you add Cat, you add Kyle, you Nas. Jaden, like, and like everybody's just a long athletes who can, um, you know, alter shots and just make you think twice when you're going up to pull up or do anything like that. So guys are not just relying on Rudy to do it. You know, we're still trying to stop our man from getting around us. We're still trying to stop them from getting a shot off. So um, I think that's all kind of playing a big part of it. Jace, before Rudy got here, I kind of like moved in my mind into the to Fitch's point, like the evolution of the game that like the value of room protection was going down and the value of like elite perimeter defense was, was going up. And I think that's not true. Yeah. I I will (laughs) say it's, it's both always, but like, I I would say the one thing, and I I think this is what's going to be so interesting is like, what makes you think that? Um, and it's probably because of the playoffs, right? Like, yeah. so that I think it is going to be something where we're going to marvel rightfully so at what Rudy does all season. Uh, but for much of 
NBA observers and why you had that opinion is that you watched yeah. like teams go five out against Utah in the playoffs and they couldn't keep up. And Rudy mm-hmm. is, if he has to come help immediately leaves an open corner shooter. We saw Maxi Cleva hit like four threes um, mm-hmm. in a row, you know, or sure. whatever. Um, so I think that's why you think that. Um, and so that'll get tested in the playoffs, but I am all for like that. Nothing can be done about that now. And for right now, it's just Marvel at what he's mm-hmm. doing and his impact right now. Yeah. And I, I do think a difference is we're seeing, I mean, not like every night, but we're seeing a decent amount of Rudy out in perimeter coverage, right? Not just lurking uh, at, at the rim. And what I think repping that out as well. And Rudy, like when Rudy's out on the perimeter and another team doesn't go on a run because Rudy's out there guarding like Chet Holmgren or something like that, Rudy's confidence is going to grow in that like, yeah, I don't need to be at the rim here because we do actually have a lot of other perimeter defenders who even if I don't have their back, like they can probably hold their own defending a drive from the slot, you know? Mm-hmm. And and if Rudy can kind of rep that out internally in his mind, then come playoff times, he's not going to overly help in there and then be caught closing out a step short to he Terrence man over and over and over. Yeah. Again. yeah. He like has to practice. Other. He has to practice what he preaches because he always says like, yeah. I, if I'm going to get on the perimeter, they have to know, like, I don't need help. I got it. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, but you have to have the same confidence in everybody yeah. else because we've seen that's where you get burnt um, is like, you're coming in and you maybe had to do it because, you know, a lot of the Utah guys are terrible, were terrible perimeter defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then, yeah, you did have to go in there. Otherwise it was a layup, um, but you have to have faith in these teammates. Um, and just like they have to have faith in you defending on the perimeter, you have to have faith in them. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I think the more opponents they can play like that, the better um, because the Kings still kind of like, showed sure. some weaknesses there um mm-hmm. you know just more and more reps of like how are we going to do this let's have mm-hmm. faith in it let's have confidence in our plan um and if it needs tinkering come up with one um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's huge it's going to be huge I, I do think his confidence in that has grown in one that he said it but like kind of of course he's going to say that i take it to be that he has grown in his confidence in leaving the rim and that he just does it he, he's agreed yeah. to do yeah. it some more and like i'm seeing him swarm fives on the perimeter sometimes like they pick up their dribble and he's yeah. like in attack mode you know you, you know what's different though uh think about the clippers and that series loss think about the mavericks like mm-hmm. he was guarding somebody in the corner uh yeah. and that's different he's been guarding guys in the actions you know that's like, true. like the five top. on the pop yeah or like yeah like delay uh, or whatever of course, Zingas or chet are not standing in the corner Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the wolves might have to almost like twist their matchup. So he's not. Cause I do think like if That's I'm an opponent, point. I'm putting Rudy, I'm putting, if Rudy is on in somebody in the corner, like I'm putting that player in the corner. Cause I'm sure. like, let's just take him out of this play defensively. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I still think the wolves have good defensive personnel where like, if you want to play four and four basketball. Okay. But like, that is yeah. the look that we haven't really seen yet. We yeah, we talk a lot about the perimeter. It is, it was different in those playoff series mm-hmm. that they lost. I, I think some people are thinking about, I, one, I agree with what you're saying there. I think some people are playing in their mind the four, five, corner, three blocks that yeah. Rudy yep. has this year. Yep. And, like, that that's great, you know, that, that he's had those. But that's probably not going to be an every possession thing. A lot of those yeah, blocks yeah. are at the end of the second quarter. He's selling out the end of regulation yeah. that was the Dario's when he blocked Dario. End of the shot clock. Yeah, yeah. But, no, that's a, that is an interesting concept is like when does rudy have to guard the perimeter but it's just a it's just a corner shooter i mean he's he does that a lot against like eric gordon or when they're in the lurk as i call it yeah, when, yeah. you know cats guarding the five and 
Rudy's guarding the one non-shooter, mm-hmm. like maybe Sohan. And that's uh, a non-shooter, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's when a team has a non-shooter that like an Aaron Gordon or something. Yeah. That's when they do that super effectively. Um, but if it's like a a fine shooter who's going to take them, right? And confidently, will, like, and knows that the game plan is you have to shoot it, so there's full confidence when they mm-hmm. shoot it. You know, like yeah, I, I like the idea of rotating them out of that. I'm with. That. I do like, too. I, like, I think that's put them on somebody else. As of makes, December fifth, that would be my like very yeah. basic. Right. Uh, construction uh, of the defense in that sort of way but we off, yeah go ahead yeah we, we went off we went off a little off tangent here like you wanted to talk about the other guys like playing well defensively too mm-hmm. uh i wanted to go with something like that troy brown said that's so different than last year like rudy obviously is way better than last year but mm-hmm. like troy talked about um how would do you go by your defensive matchup when Rudy's out there? He said this after the Thunder game. He's like, um, if I'm guarding a run off the line guy like Isaiah Joe or a guy like that, just knowing I run him off at the rim and Rudy's there, that guy will be hesitant, so it lets me get back. So I just keep on working my way back. Or Rudy takes my guy, and I've just got to go get his man and box out. That last step right there, that last sentence, was so often forgot last year by Minnesota's players of like, Rudy is taking my guy. I need to get over to his guy and get a yeah. body on his guy. Where so often, like, we remember, yeah. yeah, we remember like, Oh, Rudy would force the miss, and there's the offensive rebound put back mm-hmm. by his guy, and Rudy would throw his hands up. Like you've right. got guys like professionals, like like a Troy Brown, who's like, my job's not done here because yeah. my guy's getting too Rudy. I need to get over there and put a body on um, to make sure that guy's out of the play, or at least help Rudy out here. Like those extra steps that were so often missing a year ago. Yeah, it's the like when teams are getting offensive rebounds, it's not the offensive rebounds that like fall into the dunker spot on either right. side. Because that's like if you're Troy Brown and you're coming back in, it's like you're pushing that guy down to the base. He boxing out, pushing him down towards the baseline. And and those are the more profitable offensive right. rebounds yes. for the other yes. team. Now, the Wolves yes. are still getting exposed on the long rebounds to the, the top of the floor. But the shooting like, on those is terrible mm-hmm. because exactly. it's just a new possession. It's just a mm-hmm. new possession. Yeah. Yes, which is not which is very different than uh Oh, I just got an offensive rebound three feet from the hoop. Like I'm either going right back up for a putback or kick out for an open three. And I think I think that's a really good point by you because that has changed how much offensive rebounds are hurting this team. If it's long ones, like we don't like that either. I still would I do that yeah. at the beginning of every game. I'm like, all right, first long miss, the other team yeah, gets yeah, it yeah, every yeah. every single time. Yeah. But to your point, it's like, all right, now they're just back at the top, 14 seconds on the shot clock, right? Because it's a mm-hmm. and you're in the half court defense where the wolves are awesome. Like that's, that's a less than a point per possession proposition at, at, at that point there. Um, and so that is to the Troy Brown point, it's, it's more guys like that doing that. Like Torian Prince did that last season. It's, it's just understanding the value of that small thing. Right. And it becomes not a small thing when it's something that's helping one of your, one of your greatest weaknesses, which yeah, I, I do think also is empowered by Rudy. Yeah. I, yeah. And I just think, I just think you've got, I just think you've got a roster full of those guys now sure. in general. Like I think Nikhil Alexander Walker, I'm sure thinks the exact same way. Like, you oh, know, he like, totally does. And <laughs> I, yeah. He's just like coach, like you watch him cl- like clear out box outs all yep. the time. I mean, yep. He's always doing what's supposed to be done, you know, it's... because he's, he's thinking about the game literally all the time. Um, mm-hmm. He, yeah, he's, he's been great. It's why it, it's honestly that in and of itself, like even remove the shooting or whatever, from Nikhil and Troy and yeah. shake is like, 
Troy and Nikhil are doing those things more often yes. than Shake is. You know what I'm yes. saying? And they've always been like, and Nikhil mm-hmm. for sure has shown that he's like in the playoffs last year and whatnot, that he's also a little things guy. Like, yeah. It's, so when the shooting should just, for, for guys off like that, like the shooting should just be a bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that should be like, oh, we're not going to lose if he's making these. There's a yeah. good chance we don't lose anyway because of all the extra things he's bringing to the court, you know, and, and Troy, I guess I didn't know that. Um, I didn't. He either. certainly yeah. looks like that. Uh, he looks like that type of player. Who's like, he's doing everything else. He's got 11 offensive rebounds this season. Nine of them are on corner crashes. Yeah. Like, it's insane. It's, you know, that's, it's just, that's the, that's in, the in like, his playing time, you know, I know, like, I know that's it, yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, I, I think to, and not to be like, this is why shake shouldn't play, but like the, the thing I'm thinking about is like, okay, Nikhil's doing those small things, and I'm seeing his offensive game grow. Yeah. He's become a much more effective offensive player. Troy is doing those little things, plus he's the shooting threat out there. And and so then it's like, if those guys are doing the small things and they're doing a little bit more on offense, well, that's where the delta was supposed to be between them and Shake Milton, right? Like, Shake was supposed to be this offensive scoring punch guy. Well, yeah, like, Nikhil or Troy aren't going to just isolate and go get buckets and maybe ways you hope shake could but they're doing enough offensively that it just is like and again and maybe we should just hit on this like ant sounds like he might be coming back uh on yeah. wednesday against the spurs Jaden probably like christmas you know maybe a little bit before yeah. that uh he returns j mac coming back it's like i do think the rotation is going to be defined by the guys who are doing these little things for their defense because their defense is what is yeah, delivering for them. Or I, just the I, thing. I'm like the biggest, you know, supporter of all time. I don't think um, I think maybe he'll be in it to start. I think when the team is fully healthy, I still don't think Jordan McLaughlin will be in the rotation. I think Troy Brown would be over Shake Milton and that will be the only difference. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, Nikhil that has taken like... on so much of like those backup point guard duties. Nikhil has, I mean, pretty mm-hmm. comfortably. Um, so, like, I really do think that they will kind of continue to roll with that. There will be games where like maybe the second unit looks so bad offensively in the first half that J-Mac will then get those minutes in the second half, but I think their ideal nine now would probably be the original five starters, Nas, Kyle, Troy, Nikhil. Nikhil. Yeah. And, man, just, and credit to Nikhil for doing some of the point guardy stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think he really had, I, I knew he like grew up with the ball in his hands and stuff like that, but even just watching his first, you know, 10, for 10 games, like coming to the wolves or even kind of all through the playoffs, it was just like, a little bit too audacious of a passer that some of the drives to the basket were crazy. Like that's really not happening right. that often. He's turning it way down. Yep. And, and, and it's like, and the perfect example is just that he has that little like slow dribble in 14 footer, you know, mm-hmm. they're playing job coverage. He's coming in and he's hitting that all the time where I think 22 year old Nikhil Alexander Walker goes, all right, I got a big and drop. I'm going to try and attack and sprint past right. them and finish around them because I'm faster. It's like, Nope, under control. I'm going to take a shot, an open shot that I can make 50% of the time if it's open. Uh, let you know, let's go to that. It's not going to be a turnover. It's not going to be anything crazy where they're going five on four the other way. Like, I just, I didn't know the Wolves had guys that seem just like playoff players, like really seem like playoff players. And Nikhil Alexander Walker does, and and Troy Brown Jr. does off the bench too. And that's in addition to Kyle Anderson, yeah, who's yeah, obviously yeah. that off the bench too. Yeah, Nikhil, I was very confident in after like watching his postseason basketball last year. I was like, that guy's a playoff player. Yeah. Um, Troy was like Shake. Troy was a guy who like wasn't in the Lakers playoff rotation. Yeah. Uh, so like that for me was like, I don't know if he is, but you yeah. are asked to do different things for the Lakers. It's like if you're not going to hit those jump shots, that is 
so necessary uh, when yeah. you're just playing with LeBron and AD uh, that uh, not super surprising, I guess, where like on other teams, the little well, him and Matt Ryan just became irrelevant with the Lakers because they were like, only shoot corner threes. That's it. Yes, exactly. And don't you play know? anything. Like you're just gonna stand there. That's mm-hmm. all you're gonna do. And for so many guys, it's like. And then they don't make such a hard skill to have. Yeah, yeah you, know, you miss hard to you, make. Go, you miss your first three, and now that's all you're thinking is I'm still standing here, and I missed yeah. my last three, and I know this is all I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's I got I never talked the story about it, but I have to think that head game. It's such a terrible role to be in. Like yeah. it's the role that you and I are like Nas can't just be standing in the corner. Yeah. Like. And and the Wolves, I think, realize that every few games, too. They're like, he's doing too much of that. Let's get him more involved in action. So the Lakers are like, Troy, you stand there. Yeah. You catch the ball and you make those shots, you know? And like, and just watching every possession, it's like, it's like playing outfield in baseball. And you're just supposed to stand there. And then, then a screaming liner is sitting. It's like, go, go get it. You know? <laughs> like, totally. And, and pros can do it. But like, man, yeah. if you're like high school, you're like, I've just been standing here for, you know, like. <laughs> I'm not even sweating. Yeah, yeah, right. Like I've been watching people on the uh, tennis courts. This is so boring. Uh, you know, like yeah, like but Troy, Troy does so many little things that I've never. I guess I haven't just seen him enough play, sure. um, or maybe the opportunity hasn't been there. But like he's been great to watch do everything yeah. else, and I am now confident too that like those are things that translate. I don't know if he'd be as like I still expect him to go through some poor shooting spells sure, or whatnot sure. on this team. Um because I not like a, he's not like this elite shooter. Uh but you just keep doing everything else and mm-hmm. then it'll you'll still be invaluable to the team. It would just still be worth playing. Yes. You know, regardless. Like it doesn't need to be just tied uh to the shooting. But yeah, I, I think what we're trying to say to tie it to the to the Rudy thing is like can the guys who are out there with Rudy on defense do the things that empower Rudy to be elite, be a problem uh, at the rim or just overall. And again, like we said many times, there weren't very many of those in Utah. And it's seeming like this Wolves roster just, even if it's at the bottom of the rotation, have have a lot of guys that are, you know, contributing positively in that way. <clears throat> All it's right, the Jason. only you, well, I gotta get the only thing that's like what we're going to see is if like the only person you'd be worried about. In the playoffs, if Rudy gets stuck on the corner, and like you and I said, we should, we think he should get swapped out of that, mm-hmm. uh, possible. you know, early switch, off ball switching, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. to not be in that spot specifically. But the only person I'd ever be worried about then is like, who is Carl guarding? Um, and is that person going to try to get to the rim and force like, mm-hmm. uh, and Carl's been good defensively, but it's just not fair to be like, you know, like when it's a Harrison Barnes, it's like, well, what, I mean, what's supposed to happen here? You know, yeah. like uh, those types mm-hmm. of matchups. Those are like the only things right now that I'm, that I'd be concerned about because they do have so many guys that I just don't really think can be exposed um, yeah. defensively. And that's not even a knock on Carl. It's just like, you're just the, in the worst matchup. Like this team's roster construction puts you're you guarding. A, you're on the right side of the floor and they're writing a, running a split action over here and you need to navigate that. And Rudy yes, is yep. a mile away from home in the opposite corner. You right. Know? Like, and those that, are the only things, you know, like, and, and Carl will continue to get reps on those, but like, and I only say it's the worst thing because everybody else really like is mm-hmm. difficult to compromise. So like, yeah. that's, does it otherwise? I guess like, to the Carl point though is like if Rudy is out on the perimeter, they are benefiting from Carl's rim protection. Though if he's the low man, or it's just like that ends up being the yeah, yeah. If he's the low man, yep. yeah, yeah, like yeah, yep. and, yes, then, yep. then he can provide something there that that Utah did not have with that, yeah. with anybody else. It was no, only no. Rudy. It was mm-hmm. the only you know like, and again that will take reps of like, nope, Carl's the low man here, Rudy, not you. Um, again, why it's it's good. There's a lot of season left, you know. Yep. 
like there's going to be, and they're going to lose some games. Like you said, yep. like the Kings I most game, look forward no. to those matchups to see how they adjust and how they handle it. Absolutely. I most look forward to those. You know, it's fun to watch them play their mm-hmm. dominant defense, but like I look forward to the things that compromise them to see how they react and adjust to it. It's gonna, it's the single most telling thing about like what this team's season is or ceiling yep. is. You know, and and we only get those every so often. Probably not Wednesday uh, against San yeah, Antonio, yeah. though. They're gunning threes. Um, but that that's not really the the point of it, right? It's it's an effective right. perimeter orientation. So yeah, next two games, uh, we got uh, the Grizz or the Spurs on on Wednesday night at Target Center, and the Wolves head back to Memphis on Friday. Just quickly want to mention that Britt and I are going to do an episode uh, after the the game on Wednesday, so that'll be Thursday morning. And then rather than Kyle and I doing one Friday morning, we're going to do one of those post game uh, live shows on Friday after after the Memphis game. So that's the the schedule for the rest of the week. Jace, uh, appreciate you doing this. I know you got to get off and uh, run to practice, but thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. All righty. Uh, until I guess it'll be Thursday uh, with Britt after the Spurs game. He's Jace. Follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. Check out those pieces. Uh, I mean, Conley corner rules. Like it is actually my single favorite thing to read this year. That's coming out in Wolves writing. Uh, was that every two weeks you're doing that, Chase? Yeah, every two weeks. Usually on Sunday's paper, like online mm-hmm. Friday. It's it's great, and and my and it's like super. You know, some people are probably listening to us being like, oh, you know, Dane and Jace. Like, <laughs> here we go, two episodes in a row. It's all Mike Conley. Woo! Like, read the quotes, and, and and like Jace's quotes are like he's getting these in one on one, so it's not like I'm not tweeting them out or somebody else or the team. It's Jason Mike are talking one on one, so that's the only place to find those quotes, and it really like gets into what I'm really enjoying about it is under better understanding uh, the mentality of, of Mike, which again, opened up the, the Chris Paul thought to me, what is the, the last one is Conley corner. We're trying to, this last one was on him. That was like his sportsmanship one is the most recent one. The Timberwolves guard is the ultimate sportsman. Yep. Yeah. Which is not all about the the sportsmanship award, but yeah, yeah. but it is mentioned in there, but it's it's kind of part of how he approaches it. And there's some funny things in there and whatnot. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that one's probably a little less like inter basketball-y or like, you'll like learn something basketball wise out of it. It's a little bit more Mikey, but, Uh, but read it with the Chris Paul, my Chris Paul, like lens on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're, Uh, there's a little bit more agitation to it than like he'll ever get into, you know, like, that's in his mind anyway of like, here's how I'm going to get you back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's good. Okay, so check that out at the Pioneer Press. Follow Jace on Twitter at Jace Frederick. I think that's actually the pinned tweet on his profile right now if you want to read the, the most recent one of that. Uh, yeah, until Thursday with Britt. He's Jace. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it all so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around.